Welcome to episode number 19 of Adding Value, the podcast. What to do when you can't do what you want to do. Theory only goes so far for the apparatic. You might recall that this whole newsletter got started with me and Erin purchasing her 120-acre family farm in early 2021. We've even decided that we were going to put some Icelandic sheep here. Those posts were about a year ago today. As of today, I own no sheep. The reasons for my lack of sheep aren't terribly relevant, but it has slowed down the process of starting the value-added operations that this publication is named after. What is important to know about the reason for my lack of sheep is that it's not really something I can do much about at the moment. Its cause is external, and I don't have much control over it. So I am blocked from moving forward with my company and idea until I have actual sheep. Or am I? As J.P. Castlin in his excellent Substack publication, Strategy and Praxis, points out, I am in a place of multiple belonging, where I would describe my position to be apparatic. Quote, an awareness of one's lack of insight into the situation and a deliberate attempt to unconfuse oneself. It is an unresolved confusion. I thought now would be a good opportunity to take stock of where we've come and next steps that can move forward our ideas without actually owning sheep. It's kind of delay happens in entrepreneurship all the time. External forces impede something that is critical to the heart of the activity. You bang your head against that wall for a bit and then wonder whether it's worth it. It can be easy to just get frustrated and not do anything. Life is taking its good old time, so I will too. Our natural inclination is to just mothball the whole thing and pick it back up when the situation is different. In other words, I could just stop until the block is removed and I own sheep. There are a number of problems with mothballing the idea. We forget where we are and have to start all over again. Conditions change while we are waiting and put us even further behind. We lose motivation and never come back to it. Personally, I've had all of these happen more than once on entrepreneurial ideas delayed and never pursued. When I run into this kind of block, I like to recategorize my task list. Normally, I might have a task list or a project plan in a particularized order. Do this first, that second, this third, etc. Not all tasks have to be done in order. We put an order to the tasks because we can't actually multitask and we need to start somewhere and end somewhere. In other words, maybe task two doesn't actually have to happen after task one, but our priorities at the time we made task one more important. Our order represents our priorities. But our priorities are based on how we categorize those tasks and the importance we attribute to those categories at the time we need to prioritize them. For example, in a general sense, my list for the wool side of the business looks something like buy sheep, shear sheep, clean wool, spin wool into yarn, use yarn to weave fabric, cut and sew fabric to make goods, set up a website and social media to sell goods, advertise wool goods, sell wool goods, ship wool goods, pay sales tax, pay income tax, profit. This is my priority list because I'm not really that interested in selling wool goods in the abstract. I'm interested in using my land to create consumer goods that improve the environment through agriculture. 
our hypothesis is that sheep-based agriculture is an effective tool for this theory of change. The time that I was evaluating priority and setting these tasks, my priority was solving for agriculture and climate. The business isn't a success if we can't solve the farming and climate issues. In other words, I took those tasks that were categorized as farm, agriculture, climate, and prioritized them over tasks categorized as supply chain processing and retail. But priorities change. My students have endlessly taunted me for categorizing everything. I find categorization useful and even calming, but more importantly, categorization is the key to understanding differences between things. Things are related to other things differently depending on the basis for categorization. For example, let's consider two very different things, real ducks and army ducks. If I choose to categorize as things that can get wet and still work versus things that can't, then real ducks and army ducks are in the same category and similar to each other. If my categories are weird military vehicles and not weird military vehicles, then they would be in very different categories. So it definitely matters how we choose to categorize and describe things. Given our lack of sheep, it seems clear that our priorities can't be farm, agriculture, climate over supply chain processing retail. But it also doesn't mean that we should just flip our priorities and just start doing the merchandising stuff. It would be easy to just open a soap shop and start selling soap or open a clothing and home goods store and start selling merino shirts and wool blankets or open a meat shop. But the goal here is deep systemic change, not necessarily selling sheepy stuff. Don't get me wrong. This is a for-profit endeavor and the point is definitely to make money. But selling goods made using traditional agricultural practices bought at wholesale says nothing about our hypothesis about changing the relationship between agricultural goods and the environment. Our task then is how to reprioritize the tasks in a way that still continues to test our hypothesis, to move the needle or move towards our hypothesis in a way that doesn't involve real sheep on a real pasture. Two things come to mind immediately where I've been spending a lot of time lately. First is legislative change. My ideas for our operations require regional and systems approaches. There are numerous federal, state, and local laws that have something to say about the structure of the agricultural supply chain. While my research is showing that it may be possible to navigate our hypothesis in business without legislative change, there are systemic tweaks that could make more of an impact than the industry than the industry waiting around for Jeff to prove the point through capitalism. Second is education. The National Science Foundation's i Innovation Grants requires startup teams to interview 100 potential customers and partners before the teams can be funded. Not that I plan to be NSF funded, but the task is well taken for the kinds of due diligence necessary before spending a dime. I still know nothing about farming. Aaron grew up on a farm that had sheep, but I wouldn't call it a sheep farm. This is where wonderful trade groups like the Three Rivers Fiber Shed and Woolmark have been incredible. 
It all feels a little academic, but to the extent we can get hands-on, we've been doing farm tours and taking online courses and going to conferences and meetups. I went and spoke to Matt McCoy and his team at Field to Freezer, a software startup based in Heartland, Wisconsin, that helps connect hunters to meat processors based on location. Also, I've been researching and writing this blog, and that's not nothing. Third, we've been making and selling soap. If you want some awesome shampoo bars and body soaps, you should check them out or come visit us at the Platteville's Farmer's Market. That's all for episode 19. Uh, Talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening.